Welcome to Long Story Long. I'm your host, Lisa Curry. Today's guest is my hilarious friend, Erica Spera. You have seen her on James Corden and you've heard her on her podcast, Shooters Gotta Shoot. Uh, Erica, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to see you again. Catch up. Uh, I know. I know. We've. It, it's funny. I feel like we were just kind of like on the periphery of each other for so long. And then um, more recently, we're like, oh, yeah, why aren't we better friends what's going on here or at least that's what i was thinking i'm like oh hey we get along so well mm-hmm. well this i mean my theory is a lot of the people i'm friends with in this business i actually don't see very often because yeah. i'm friends with all the people that are hustling working their ass off like exactly they're busy yeah. running around doing their thing and those are the people i like and respect so it like makes sense as we've grown career-wise that it's like oh man i kind of miss open mic days sometimes because yeah i would see my friends all the time because none of us none of us were anywhere yet we were all just yeah, baby that's a comics. Thing. or unless you're like all playing the same club you don't even like even if you are, like I was on a show last night with a bunch of my friends and then I was like, okay, well I have to go after my set because I have to tape an audition, which is great. I'm thankful for it. But I'm also like, Fuck, I haven't seen these people in months. I would love to sit here and just chop it up with them. Right. I can't do it. I mean, that's why people like fall in love with whatever club and call it their home. It's mainly because mm-hmm. like, what's the club that they hang out afterwards and books yeah. everybody that they like and it's like oh i love being here and hanging out here and then you see people hang out there even when they are not performing yeah it is funny too like getting into comedy uh and finding out i i didn't believe this for so long but finding out like how important the hang is i mean not just socially but also if you're just like hanging out with your friends you're at the top of their mind and when some they uh, somebody asks them for a recommendation for a comic for something it's like oh yeah i just saw erica a minute ago and it's like one because you're solid as fuck but also because they were like oh yeah she'd be a good fit i just saw her yeah and I you're mean, just right there on their mind back in the day when it was just facebook like heavy on social media <laughs> promoting shows yeah. it would be i was like man the people that get booked a lot are people that are just constantly posting statuses yeah and i had no desire to do that but i was like but it keeps you on everyone's mind and so that's the game too is like okay if you're not in person seeing people you need yeah. to like be posting regularly on social media so you pop up and everyone's like, oh yeah, there they are. Oh yeah, I love that joke. Uh, because yeah. honestly, I'm like, you look at people that are successful, they either hung out a lot or they didn't hang out at all and they were just workforce, like always working yeah. on stuff. I know, I'm like, I don't know anyone that like came up with Daniel Tosh. Yeah. And he's great. He's a great joke writer. And he's, he's doing just fine financially. He's one of my top five comics and I feel like he's someone that people do forget about a little bit because he's uh-huh. doing like less stand-up now yeah but coming he up he doesn't man, give a fuck no i know and coming up like his comedy central i think presents the half hour it was on my family dvr we watched that so many times and like my brother and i were like you cannot delete this like we would show yeah. every friend that came <laughs> over like you have to see it i love it oh, wait so, so who good. did you when you were coming up like who's your, who are your other top five I mean, I started listening to comedy very, very young because my dad was a fan. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. my favorite comics for a long time really were like super clean comics like Brian Regan. I mean, he's still mm-hmm. my number one, though. Like no shade to the clean. Game. Oh, he's he's I'm like, how does he do this? Because he's not in the club circuit. It's you like, don't see him doing spots. Exactly. But it's like that's who he naturally is. He naturally is this goofy guy. And I feel like so many comics, like myself included, I started I was clean. I wanted to be like Brian Regan. Mm-hmm. But I was like, the things I care about are the things I think to joke about. I I pigeonheld myself of being clean for like five years. And then I finally was mm-hmm. like, I don't think this is me. Like these jokes work. 
I'm getting gigs. I'm getting, you know, corporate fundraiser, like stuff that pays. And it kind of was like, okay, once I had that clean, like 45, I was like, all right, like talk about whatever you want to. So it's like, it bummed me out to like abandon what I started trying to do because I, I mainly noticed coming up. I was like, Oh, so many women one talk about dating and two are really dirty. Not that that's bad, but I was like, okay, this will make me different from the people in my category. And it did totally. But now it's like funny that now I'm 31 and I'm like, Oh, I'm the woman I was trying to avoid being, which was the single (laughs) woman complaining about dating on stage. Here's the thing though. I think like you hit your, cause I tried to be super clean just out of like, I was like so uncomfortable talking about sex on stage initially and so I was like, I'll just, I can't do that. Mm-hmm. But then you hit your thirties and you're like, oh, I'm peak horny. I can't not talk about this because yeah. I'm going to break somebody's skull. <laughs> well, yeah. Also dating. I was, tw- I mean, I, how old were you when you started? I was 22. Oh yeah. I was, tw- I think 25, 20. Yeah. Something so like that. I'm fresh out of college. I know mm-hmm. like I don't have these amazing sexual experiences or like in any room I'm in. I'm, <laughs> not I'm, even I'm, decent ones. Not even, yeah. You know, I don't think anyone looks back at college sex and is like, God, that was good. Take me back, you know? But it's like, I was playing basketball in college. I wasn't like actively trying to date. Like I was 20, I was, you know, 19, like just having fun, doing my thing. And so also like, I was like, I'm in a room and everyone is older than me. I'm like, so they're going to look at me and be like, what the fuck do you know about sex? Like, you know how to fuck? Yeah, exactly. And I felt that inadequacy of like, yeah, I don't. Good point. So like sexual bits I didn't have anything and dating didn't annoy me as much because I wasn't really trying to date I was still in that like yeah I'll live my life I'll be out if I meet someone I meet someone I still was like hooking up with people more casually yeah and then funny of I got herpes when I was 25 and that Mm kind of changed dating for me because hooking up was now more of a challenge to casually have sex having herpes with people which it shouldn't be but it does Um, but then suddenly my focus in life shifted to like oh okay like i really one need to deal with having herpes but two like okay i would really like want to meet someone and be with someone and yeah. that shift like you could see the shift in my stand-up of just like oh now this person is actively dating and <laughs> obviously being annoyed by it <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it is uh incredibly annoying it turns out it's not it's not the fun that you see in like rom-coms no it's it's i remember watching high fidelity you know whenever that came out and i was like god i would kill to be like have all these different guys like crazy about you and i'm like it, it's a nuisance actually <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's or so like, fucking annoying it's not romantic it's not fun it's hell no and that's why i feel like so many people love 500 days of summer uh-huh. because it's realistic yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the like person that is kind of stringing you along and is giving you enough, but at the end of the day, like, is not fully with you, like, mm-hmm. isn't giving you the full relationship. And I think that's why people like are fond of that movie. They're like, oh, we've all had that person. Yeah. And in the end, it doesn't work out. <laughs> like, it's it's yeah. realistic. Like, and that's yeah. most relationships. It turns out. Uh, that's so many. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so where did you grow up? I grew up upstate New York. I'm from Binghamton, New York, specifically mm-hmm. Endwell, small town. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was upstate, went to college in an even smaller town, St. Lawrence University in Canton, New York. And then after that, I was very like, okay, I want a big city. And I moved moved to New York City, took a job, moved down mm-hmm. here at 22 and started doing comedy. That's kind of it. And you immediately knew you were going to do comedy? 
Yeah, I my whole life it was like if you could be anything, what would you be? I always said stand up comedian. And I love that. And I just I loved everything funny. I loved sitcoms. My family would watch Seinfeld. Everybody loves Raymond together all the time. Mm-hmm. So like Seinfeld was one of my favorite comics coming up. Jim Gaffigan, Brian Regan, Mitch Hedberg, like anyone that was really like clean. Uh, mm-hmm. I kind of grew up listening to. And I just thought it was the coolest thing of like, was there God, something cool. like, did your, because my dad, like, just, I'm, listen, this was in the before times before anybody knew what was going on or before anyone outside of, my dad like revered, my dad was like, he works clean. You know, my dad was just so dazzled by it for some, which is, it doesn't make any sense. Cause my dad is like one of the filthiest, most crass people I know. And my family owns a biker bar and it's like guys really but i think because of that it made me like filthier comics because i was like fuck you (laughs) you fucking hypocrite (laughs) yeah i mean it's also just like that's probably why he was so fascinated yeah he's like (laughs) he's like how could you know clean shit all all the things i laugh at are the dirty jokes at the biker bar and then this man is making me like pee my pants laughing yeah that's a great point um did you like were you like disgusted by filthier comics or were you just like "Mm, not my thing not at all like i remember being in new york brand new watching lisa traeger move here and i remember Mm -hmm. seeing her jfl audition and she's filthy and i fucking loved it like oh she's fantastic so it just was like you know growing up obviously my dad wasn't gonna put on you know even like a richard Pryor when i'm in the car and funny that when i started doing comedy i asked my dad his top five comics and he said uh-huh. someone like richard Pryor, and i think he said chappelle like he said a bunch of people that i was like yeah i remember going i didn't even know you listened to these and he was like yeah, yeah. i didn't listen to him with you you're like yeah. eight years old <laughs> i'm gonna throw on Pryor. like oh me and my daughter driving to a basketball tournament let's you know listen to this bit about police brutality like it's you know there is well that is the thing with them too like you know you think of Pryor as so so filthy but he started as a clean comic Mm -hmm. and he has a lot of bits that are like one of my favorite bits of his is where he's like impersonating a deer and it's (laughs) just so fucking funny and it's so spot on and i'm like it has nothing to do it's not filthy at all well, that's why he's one of you the best. You can do it on Sesame Street. He's the yeah. epitome of, he's got everything. He's got silly everything. deer bit. He has a dating bit, sex bit. He's got, like I said, police yeah. brutality, like serious yeah. social issues. That's why people yeah. like go to bat on Pryor. It's like he was the first to cover so much. Everything. Really but he's skill. also not like, none of it feels like pandering. None of it feels like he certainly wasn't writing clean mm-hmm. stuff to do corporates. No, <laughs> like, no, not at all. Uh-uh. <laughs> not which remotely. I know. Which Do you ever beat yourself up sometimes of like when you're trying to write new material, almost feeling like, oh, man, I feel like I'm still in the same like umbrella category. Like for me, I've been frustrated the past couple of years of like, man, all the new bits I think of are like dating and sex related. Mm. And I've been beating myself up about it. Like, come on, Eric. Mine is more like I'll have such a random thought that has is totally thematically out of place with the rest of my set. And I'm like, oh, I love this. But also, if I do this in the middle of a headlining set, it's going to feel like another comic came up here and entered my body and is doing this bit mm. where I'm like, I need to find a way to make this more cohesive because I'm like, it's not it doesn't make sense or like also a lot of my stuff comes from anger like it starts in anger and then it's harder for me to write jokes because i'm so mad (laughs) 
Yeah, which, by the way, can I say, your bit about your dog, like, watching you hook up. <laughs> Hilarious. I've ever seen that thing. Like, Thank God, you. this bit's funny. I've never had pets, so I, like, don't understand pets. But I was like, man, great bit. And then the next guy I hook up with has this little dog. And this is a little <laughs> one that kept, like, getting up on the couch, like, getting in, like, right near my face. And I was like, oh, my God, Lisa's bit is so true. No, yeah, it's like you can't have a pet there. And dudes don't care, but I'm like, I'm being taken out of the moment because this yeah. is a sentient, it's, you know. Oh, I got a treat to trick it to get out of the room once we went to the bedroom. And I, sh I shut the door and I was like, I probably look like a huge asshole that I was like, get your dog out of here. Yeah, no, but seriously, if you uh, have to take it to a kennel, like get it out of the room something. one way or another. I know, it's like just the truth, for, you know, the act. It can come back later, you know. Yeah, the truth of the bit is like, I say in the bit that my dog came and put her head on the bed, and she did, but then she got onto the bed, which is when I was like, time out. But I'm like, that feels too crazy to me to say that on stage for some reason. Dude. I'm like, I can't even... People that have Maybe dogs I'll have add experienced it. At some point. it. There's no way. <laughs> if you have a dog, this has happened to you. There's absolutely no way it hasn't. Like, oh my god. There's um, no way. Anyway, sorry. What you were saying uh, about so, inputting no, that bit. Mm -hmm. I mean, the beauty of comedy though is like you don't need transitions. That it's like you could just suddenly be like, okay, let me talk about this. But yeah, I get it. Of like, I've <laughs> I started like all my clean stuff was mostly about like my family. I'm, like, I'm from this big like Italian family, mm -hmm. right? And so for me, it's more like, all right. If you do, you know, the first 10 minutes dating, then you do 10 minutes on family and mm -hmm. then 10 minutes on dating. It's nice that it like breaks it up. Mm -hmm. However, with having like jokes about herpes or like dirtier material, it's like, okay, those will save though after you talk about your dad. Like it's a weird yeah. for the audience to be like, yeah. you're getting like rowdy and dirty. And then you're like, I have a father. They're like, well, I don't want to hear that now. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or like, I have a conflict now. Not, not I'm talking about me too much, but um, where my like first opening joke is super filthy because it's short, it's quick, it's it grabs people right away. Yep. But then I'm like, I don't do any other filthy stuff till almost the end because it's hard to keep somebody's. It's hard to get people on board with smarter material if you're like starting talking about dicks. Then they're like. Then they're just too horny. They can't, <laughs> people can't focus. They're like, know. oh my God, speaking of dicks, I'm on this date. I can't wait to get out of here and stop hearing this bitch talk. <laughs> right. It's just hard because sex is something we all do. Yeah. So it's like, it relates, you know, globally. Cause I know you perform overseas here and there. So mm -hmm. it's like, it is the thing. Sex and dating is like, we all do it. We've all been through it. And even the people that are married, it's like, they remember what dating was like. So it's like, unfortunately, it's just the most relatable yeah stuff and yeah sometimes yeah. you just have a crowd i mean you often have crowds it's like they're here to have fun they're here to have fun they don't really want to think too much so those smarter yeah. bits it's like you really got to play that like how do i get this to you and and you don't feel like you have to think very hard yeah absolutely you know what it's <laughs> Side note, if you're a comic and you're listening to this, don't put math in your set, for fuck's sake. <laughs> when people are like, when people start doing numbers in their set, I'm like, oh. I have, I'm sitting there thinking, wait, so wait, 37, 30, you know, and I'm like trying to do the math in my head and I've not heard your next three minutes because I'm doing fucking long division. P mm. Please, everyone, stop. Stop it. It doesn't work. <laughs> just say, just say the fucking end number. You, we can't deal with it. Um... So you, you said you went to college in New York, in New York City? No, no, way upstate. Or, My college actually oh, okay. is like the closest city to it is Ottawa, Canada slash Montreal. Oh. 
but it's on the very border of New York. So my school was in New York. It was very, very small. Did you ever pop over there then to do comedy when you were starting? No, because I, I wasn't doing stand-up then. And also uh-huh. I, I played college basketball. So like that was my whole life. Like I was, I had oh, to be yeah. on campus when no one was there and like the brutal winter, like ghost town times. Um, wow. I know it's so, I didn't, and I just didn't know. I wasn't like, I was a comedy nerd of knowing comics and like binging albums, but I wasn't a comedy mm-hmm. nerd of like, the podcast world had i did that i would have probably like gone to montreal all the time to just like pop over see a show or something like that but like unfortunately i i kind of just didn't know about it yeah well there's so much i think that is just not on our radar until people like bring it into our purview you know it's like Mm -hmm. there's there's so much going on yeah you know all the time so when you i'm surprised you didn't like follow the the basketball thing is it the basketball thing what do you was mean? that something that you were ever like oh i want to try to go like pro or semi-pro after this i mean to be honest it's like for women first of all you don't really make great money to make oh, yeah. better money unless you're you know unless you're uh brianna stewart is like a player i came up with playing i had like aau with her one year and this is how good brianna stewart is okay she was six five i go to this new team and on the, and i'm like about to be a senior in high school so it's my last year of travel and I come home, my dad's like, how's the team? And I'm like, this one girl's really good. I was like, but I'm like, she's so awkward. Like, I'm trying to like talk to her and like make friends on the team. I'm like, she's so quiet. And my dad looks at me and goes, she's in eighth grade. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> I was like, oh, so that girl's like going to UConn. My dad was like, yeah, she's like too good to even be on your team. She's just too young to like be on the national team yet. And I was like, oh, nice, nice, nice. <laughs> like, Because she's from Syracuse, New York uh great player so nice like i literally remember her getting her period for the first time we're like away for a weekend and she only has her dad her dad comes in our room like panicked like um brie i need someone to talk to her (laughs) like doesn't know what to do and it's like yeah brianna stewart she's you know pro she's been like god she was like the mvp of all the tournaments and but even she being like one of the best players in WNBA, she goes to china to play like a chunk yeah. in the summer and that's like really where she actually makes a lot of money is playing in china yeah like playing in europe whatever tournaments over there uh or like if you're good enough to get sponsorship from nike and olympic stuff yeah but it's just like yeah i wasn't brianna stewart so like coming up yeah. with people like that or even in college i'm like i'm not a, you know an all-american d3 i'm good but it was like right. there was just no clear like real future no clear path to or it's like i would have to hustle my ass to just try to make a team in europe and as cool as that would be to be like let me live in europe blah blah um i ended up actually quitting my senior year i didn't didn't start the season because i just felt like i got what i needed from basketball and it also hit a mm-hmm. point i was like oh this is a job now like it's yeah. not as fun well, you're like not seeing the sunlight anymore because you're just in the gym <laughs> all day and night <laughs> yeah the only good thing about like playing sports i'd say in the winter is like I didn't realize how dark it gets early till I like mm. didn't play anymore. And I was like, Oh yeah, man, this is depressing. And people were like, you don't know what gets dark. I'm like, dude, I'm in the gym for four hours. So I come out at seven 30. Yeah. It makes sense to my brain. Like, um, yeah, it's just like blackout all the time. Yeah. It's, it's too, it's also funny that we're talking about this today specifically. Cause Brittany Griner was just released Literally, from yeah. Russia and, this morning. And everyone's been talking about her case of it's like, Oh, the, you know, it's like, yeah, LeBron James would never be stuck in her situation because he makes so much money in the U.S. Like, yeah. So it's made it like people realize like, oh, all these WBNBA stars that are the best, stars. the best 
are literally traveling to other countries and getting paid more money over there. Yeah, they're in like the, in also the worst areas mm -hmm. politically. It's like, okay, cool. Yeah, go play basketball in China and Russia and yeah. fucking Iran while you're at it. Who cares? Yeah, you know, the worst it, politically, it, but they're entertained by women doing sports. And it's yeah. because it's like, yeah, because I, I mean, I don't know all the rules, but it's like, yeah, I'm pretty sure the women over there are not encouraged to do such things. Yeah, so probably it's like, not. It's wild to them. It's like this yeah. mythical character or something. Um, so so you moved to New York, you said, it, to New York City at 22? Yeah. So I basically and graduated started stand up right away? Yep. I had a friend from college looking for a roommate and a place, teamed up with her. I yeah, came to New York. I was like interning in the summer. And then the intern place hired me part-time three days. And then I picked up, uh, I worked at Express Retail mm -hmm. and hostessing at a restaurant like two nights a week or something. God, uh, it's, it, how it, did we all have 15 jobs? <laughs> I don't know. And I was the epitome of leaving my house 7 a.m., getting back like midnight, 1 a.m. every night, doing open mics as much as I could. And I just had never-ending energy. And I think part of it was stand-up. I would get such an adrenaline rush from like just doing these open mics and getting on stage and getting jokes to work. Um, but yeah, like it kind of just worked out that I wanted to be in a big city. And then once I came to New York, I was like, Oh, comedy's here. Like, how do I do that? So I took a class cause I had no idea. Oh, class. who's your teacher? Karen Bergreen was my very first teacher. So she's still a no comic. Idea. She still works at Gotham mm -hmm. here and there. Uh, but what was great about it was I met some other comics being like brand new and fresh. So I had people to go to open mics with because the class was very, it was kind of anti-open mics, but in a way of being like, they're brutal, like it's going to kill your confidence. But the class was basically just an open mic every week. I got to do five minutes and work on my little five minutes to do at this big show. But I did that mm -hmm. big show at the end of that class and like did great. And I was like, yep, I'm in, like sold. This is what I want to do. Um, and yeah, it's funny of even from that class, you, uh, there's two people still doing it. Uh, Sydney Washington is one oh. and Christiana Jackson. Oh, wow. But That's it, awesome. Yeah. But it's funny of like, you can tell when we started doing it. Cause we were the ones like looking for more stage time, looking for open mics, yeah. like really working on it, really excited. And so it's not surprising that like we stuck with it. Um, from those yeah, classes. it's funny. People shit on comedy classes on standup classes so much, but it is, I mean, Anthony Jeselnik started in a class, I don't know if you know of Vanessa Ramos. She doesn't do stand-up anymore, but she has... She created that show. I think it's called... I think it's just straight up called Blockbuster. Mm, okay. the this, oh, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. The new one. She's a, probably a gajillionaire now for like yeah. her development deals and everything. It's like she's a f extremely successful TV writer. And it's like, mm -hmm. okay, I guess you can shit on a class if you yeah, want. Yeah, especially I didn't grow up in an area that <laughs> yeah. had a comedy club. Like just basic comedy club. So I had no idea how to get into it. And it's like, oh, I finally yeah. was in a big city. And, you know, I didn't grow up in some big city or even like, I don't know, go to a school that really had like a strong performance aspect of it. Mm -hmm. um, so it was like, Were I you was doing bits in basketball. Just like, <laughs> yeah, that it was. And you know, I was thinking, I was like, I always liked being the funny person, like of my group of friends and stuff. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's like, you know, it wasn't NYU with Tish and all these connections. Yeah. And, like stuff like that. So even to this day, I feel like a little bit of a dummy in the entertainment world of knowledge. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, it's just, it was just a well, weird thing. Some of people like, that are, on stage. There's some people that are just prepped so well, like their parents get that so much of this is just networking. So they're mm -hmm. like, oh, go to this prestigious school because of who else you're going to meet. Not, not be like, if you have the capacity to learn 
at whatever skill you're going to learn it regardless of where you're at it doesn't yeah. matter if you're to to an extent i mean you know there might be more knowledge that's accessible that's not the the way i i intend to put it but like you know a city college versus a major college mm-hmm. uh, or university it's it's there might be a little bit different in what you're actually learning but if you have the ability to be a physicist it kind of at some at some level it doesn't matter if you're going to purdue or harvard right exactly or it's like there's so many people that bust their ass to get into harvard to then take the creative route and write for god now i'm blanking on the name of the paper but like they bust their ass to get there national lampoon yeah Yeah. that then like their core you know they're say they're in communications or english or whatever and they're kind of like i don't really care i'm only here to get on this paper like that's their end goal yeah absolutely well and again it's the networking like my friend nick was the head writer of tosh for i think 12 years and he he went to harvard but it's like yeah it's it might help you get things faster mm-hmm. not to take away from his uh, you know comedic abilities but it's like you could also end up the head writer of a tv show having dropped out of college or not gone <laughs> at all or dropped out of high school it is you know it's like mm-hmm. comedy doesn't give a fuck if you have a degree really yeah it's (laughs) not a degree part yes and no but it's like yeah obviously we see people or know people that like have essentially never had to have a day job and just got to fully Mm -hmm. pursue the creative arts and so that's something that's like very eye-opening of both like now that i'm in entertainment that's like the thing comedians love to point out or other people love to point out of like actors that made it and it's like yeah their parents are this person like they're fucking loaded and connected like of course they made it and then there's yeah. the other people that are like the just from picking themselves up by their bootstrap story. Yeah, which is us. Yeah. I don't I don't recommend it to anyone. It sucks. <laughs> it's too hard. <laughs> so when you when you were getting into comedy uh, or when you were first starting out, do you remember the first job you had where you're like, oh, shit, I'm getting paid. This is great. Yeah, I did this like. Uh, what was it? Um that someone else paid me. Let me put it that way. Uh, I did this like ladies of laughter competition in New York uh-huh. and I did well. And then they ran a show in my hometown coincidentally on Valentine's day. They literally still do it every of Valentine's course. to this year. Uh, and they booked me on it and I'll never forget. It was $250 to host the show, do like 12 minutes. And I was like ecstatic. I tell yeah. my job, I was like, Hey, I'm hosting at the time. I'm like, Hey, I can't do this date. It's like over a month in advance. And they were like, you have to work that day. It's Valentine's day. I'm like, yeah okay i go well if i like i'm giving you this much notice if i can't take off regardless even if i'm telling you like a month in advance and i was working like christmas day like thanksgiving like i yeah, was you like can't, restaurants are hell i'm doing new year's <laughs> i was like i'm doing literally every other holiday like what's up so i basically was like well then take this as my notice then i'm like you can put me on schedule but i'm not showing up like yeah who cares like i was like you're not gonna pay me 250 bucks in one night of working i'm a hostess uh, so I remember doing a month's notice at that job to leave, but, uh, that was the first, like someone else paid me. Um, uh, but I got into the game coincidentally of just running shows because my hometown had nothing and mm-hmm. I was doing comedy a year and I just booked like a bar. I was like, okay, let's just do like $5 a ticket, like come up here and perform. And I brought a couple buddies and it sold out. So I did one bar one night, another bar, another night. And it was like, all of us got paid like a hundred dollars each. And we were pumped just to be like, we had this packed show. So fun. And then that eventually just grew to like, I'd help run fundraisers with people or I'd run my own just like 
New Year's Eve show, Valentine's show myself. Mm-hmm. So funny that like the people that booked me, I ended up <laughs> yeah. being their competitor in town of like, I'll run my own Valentine's show and like make more yeah. money that way. Um, yeah. You're like 250 is small potatoes now. Yeah. But uh, I was lucky of early in the game of comedy. I was only like, yeah, a year or two in, I started getting road work and it was a great like, okay, these jokes work in the city. They don't work outside the city. Or this show yeah. crushes outside in the city. It's corny. And it it's a great, like, I was very lucky to have that balance of doing a lot of both to be like, yeah, okay, what really works to quote the rest of America as opposed to just a super liberal city? Yeah, it is interesting to see where things land geographically because so much of it also, even if you're not doing political jokes, even if you're not fucking touching politics, if it's just purely personal jokes, mm-hmm. it's some things are just absolutely not relatable not wanting to have kids in a crowd full of people that have to go home to their soul sucking children is not, uh, they don't love it. They're like, fuck no. you. Mm-mm. We're mad that you have freedom. Yeah. That's any comic I bring to Binghamton, baby. The two things I tell them is I go, first of all, I go, God is real here. I'm like you have jokes, you have jokes shitting on religion. Go for it. I said, but don't be surprised if they don't go well. And then two, I say politically, I go, this mm-hmm. is very 50, 50. Like there are Trump people here. I'm like, so if you go up there and you just shit on Trump and it's not like funny, I was like, don't be surprised if you get like some combat from the crowd. And I would never tell a comic what jokes to do and not to. I'm just like, just a heads up. And then also my town is very Catholic. There's no Jews there. So I was like, yeah. I'm like, yeah, feel so free to do, be, do jokes about Jewish people, but I'm like, they're not going to get it. They, they like don't know any. Yeah. You're really going to have to handhold. Cause that, that's a thing that there's like a shorthand in different areas where if you if you live in new york or la you just know jewish culture whether you seek it out or not mm-hmm. it, whether you're it, you could be the most free from religion person and you're gonna know you you'll end up knowing a prayer after a couple of years yeah exactly I mean? Truly though. like you do learn hebrew and yiddish just by accident um so yeah that's that is a really that is a really good point it at what point in your career did you know like oh this is gonna work out i've got this i'm a comedian i'm gonna be a comedian professionally forever that is a great question because to be honest with you or do you yet i still (laughs) i still have moments of like doubting like no is this really the thing for me no and it's natural to do that especially during the pandemic at first everything shut down and i i was one of the comics being like this actually isn't bothering me I'm not mm-hmm. like itching to get on stage, losing my mind. Like I was like, you know what? I could use a break. And also I felt fine of like, nobody's getting anything right now. All of us have yeah. to stop. So you, you didn't at all see on social media, this person getting comedy central, this person getting that, like your peers like surpassing you. Right. Um, but then suddenly like really 2021 when things really picked up and we're back and I was getting like the good chunk of road work and whatnot, you know, I picked up a day job during the time just to be like, all right, your unemployment's going to run out. Like, let's just have some steady money so we don't have to stress. So I don't feel this like inadequacy and Mm -hmm. have to like essentially have to hustle so hard just to be able to like feed myself. I was like, all right, let's, you know, but then the downside of having the day job is part of you is like, am I doing the right things? Like, am I going to have really this like great life in the future if I still kind of just keep pursuing this dream and if it doesn't mm-hmm. go anywhere, like you have those doubts naturally, especially um, if you do want the option of like 
having kids, having a family, and you start to think of, okay, say I say I am huge, famous, touring. You're like, but I'm touring. So now I'm away from kids if I have kids, or it would be hard to have kids in yeah. that sense. Or like, you should drag them around on the road and Right, and especially just... at our level touring is like it's not glamorous. Yeah. I can't afford to bring an opener, let alone my kid or my husband with me. If that's like my life. <laughs> An entourage. Yeah. So you're like, and you start doing the math on the numbers and everything. So it's like, it's a hard thing of, uh, now I'm even forgetting the original question. of <laughs> like, my brain went negative. <laughs> when you uh, knew you were in it, like for the long haul, when it's, you knew it was going to work out. <laughs> uh, well, as much as people like hate to say it, it's like, or nowadays because things have changed but like truly getting like a late night credit was something that it was like okay you're not crazy like getting a little bit of industry validation because i had yet to really have it is this thing that i'm like okay you're not crazy like you're good you got this thing like it almost feels like a graduating comedy thing where you're like okay all those people even in my hometown that like came to those shows and like knew i was doing comedy it's like this is this legitimizes it to everybody yeah because you're at least good enough to showcase it to millions of people and to add something to a late night show because that's the thing too they're not just going to book you because you have because you're good they're going to book you because you're good and they think that there's a future for you in comedy because they want to get on the ground level, especially mm-hmm. like I've heard, and I don't know this to be true. I haven't talked to somebody at the show about this, but I've heard that Kimmel doesn't like to have people on for like a second or third or fourth spot because they want to feel like they discovered you. Mm-hmm. So they're like, if we have you on, which I don't think they have standups on at the moment, they go back and forth a lot. But if they have you on, it's be- specifically because they're like, we want to have discovered you. Yeah. And that's how a lot of those late night shows are. They like want to be the first, almost like a bragging mm-hmm. right in a way of hoping okay, we think you're going to go far. And then when you go far, you're like going to be loyal to our show or our yeah. people here and whatnot. Yeah. You're going to do your little press run with us and yeah. not with everyone else. Right. So Which I, is like really flatter. That's like, you should be hugely flattered by that. It's like they're investing in you mm-hmm. long-term. Yeah. And so I'd say, I'd say for sure getting like an official credit. Um, and then also there was two years that I did do full-time comedy and I just hustled my ass on road work. And I was just like, you're doing it. You're getting booked. You're hustling with no credit. I was doing feature work hustling, but I had a car. So anywhere I could drive from New York, I was like, let's do it. I was paying my bills and it felt like really cool and validating to be like, you're doing this thing. Like you're making as much money at this thing. You hustling as a feature that you were hustling like these three odd jobs when you first moved to New York. Um, And which is why it's also great to get in the road game early of it makes you realize like, okay, what's the next step to headlining? And then you meet different headliners of ones that draw and ones that don't. And then you're like, okay, the next step is like, how do I build a following with people so that I can hit to the next level? Yeah. So it's just, it's, and it's so hard because it changes all the time. Like it was email lists and now it's like, Instagram followers, but that also doesn't necessarily translate to ticket sales. So it's like, how do you get organic? How do you get as many people following you as possible, but also organic followers that and people that are going to fucking buy tickets because so many people are just satisfied by seeing clips online. And they're like, that's enough. like there's plenty of people I follow on online that I'm like, oh, they're so funny. I'm not I'm not making the track out. Right. Exactly. So it's it's the game has changed. And like I 
literally am now just entering the clip game. A bunch of people got in it during the pandemic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I lived in the fear of like, but that's burning my material. I'm like, I don't have mm-hmm. jokes to replace this material. But it's funny that it's like, it's already thinking from a standpoint, these jokes are going to blow up and so many people are going to see them that then they're going to come see you. Yeah. And then, yeah. Uh, and then you're, what jokes do you have? And it's like, oh, you're Erica, you're 30 million steps ahead. Like, and, and talking to comics that do have that following and it's not translating to selling tickets. They're like, put it all up. They're like, just put it all up. Get your followers up. Like just to get an agent, just to get a, this, like, yeah, now the game is it's literal like, it followers that people can go see. Yeah. Yeah. Which is great. Which you can the- make your own path. But then it's, it's also like, shit, the way I was doing it was like, ah, uh, I was like, you know, by my bootstraps, getting in one club at a time. And like, now I got to follow up those people to try to headline because I'm back to yeah. being a f- full-time comic. I got laid off from my day job and I kind of was like, we'll take it as a blessing. Let's make this job Which again. is great. That's how so many people just like rocket themselves into it because it's like, well, it's almost like waiting tables and picking up shifts in a way where yep. you're like, well, I know I can make cash tonight yes. doing this. So right. I'm going to do that. And if you build up enough of that and it just makes you better and better and better. It's not like, I mean, you can get better at waiting tables if you really want to, but it's like, it's not like get you don't, it's not the same with the getting in the reps. You have yeah. to get that in with stand up, and then right. things just get tighter and tighter and you get better and better, you know? Right. And to that sh- point, like, oh, go ahead. I was just going to say people shit on like influencers. Like what do they do all day? I'm like, have you tried making yourself make a video once a day? Even if it is a dumb video, you just film your face it's ranting. It's not easy. And once you get into the content mm-hmm. game, you're like, oh my God, this is exhausting to like one, think of ideas and two, execute mm-hmm. it every day. And having a full-time job running two podcasts that I have now, I do all the editing and all that myself. I was just like, oh, I, I do not physically have the time to sit every day no. and create. And now it's like, now you do. So what are you going to do, Erica? And it's like, yeah, I got to suck it up and like watch my tapes, cut these clips make a dumb funny video if i have an idea like now i'm like all right post once a day like post once a day for the next month see does that up your followers like and you have Mm -hmm. to figure out what does this audience respond to what do they like uh and it's but it's like it's a full-time job in itself just being able to sit watch learn how to edit if you can't afford an editor so that's a that's a hustle it's also like not just post once a day but post during this specific time and post things that like people are going to share yeah that, that i haven't even hit that it, point yet i'm just like fucking get it up there. it's too much mm. i want and like i hired for a little while i had a, a gal cutting up clips for me and posting in things and i was like yeah you know i want to make sure my website's up to date and she's like are you a hundred like nobody cares about websites anymore which mm-hmm. i still like to have that for people to find things yep you know, especially like producers and stuff, they're they're still some of the old school people are still looking at your website yeah. for your press kit and whatever. But it's like I've completely lost my train of thought. Um, oh, but she was like, yeah, Instagram is the new website uh-huh. and TikTok is the new whatever. And I'm like, cool, that's going to shift in a year again. Great. But you're still expected to keep up. Like I was trying to get rid of Facebook, but you have to have Facebook to post events and promote. And it's like, pfft. Okay, fine. Like I'm getting all of my ticket sales for my weekend next week through Facebook promotions. And I'm like, I actively hate Facebook, but here we are. Yeah. Uh, what am I supposed to do? I thought about deleting my Facebook, like literally leaving college. I was like, what do I need this for? Like, blah, blah. It's annoying. And I remember my dad being like, yeah, but isn't this now how you like get shows and message comics? And it was because Instagram didn't blow up yet. And God, your dad Instagram. is so good. <laughs> well, he was Thank correct. God for your dad. He was correct. Can but your it's dad funny. be my manager? <laughs> <laughs> I know. But it's so funny of like, 
I mean, I think about, this is probably negative to say, but I do think about like, okay, okay, if you left the comedy game, like fully left, I'm like, oh, I would, I would love to just be fully off all social media. That would be my first move. If I left, I'd be like, I'm going to live my fucking life without this. Never have to post shit again. Just like gone. Yeah. Because you and I are like, we're not old, but we're old enough to remember a time in our childhood where it was just pure bliss and no social media. Yeah. Or I remember when Instagram first came out and I would literally post whatever the fuck I wanted. And I wasn't at all checking my likes. And seeing, did I get as many likes as this person? Like, and I still have my shit yeah. like up. So many people have like archived their old shit. I scrolled down one day being like, man, I literally would just post a picture of food, post a sunset. And yeah, like, didn't I've... give a fuck. It got 20 likes. <laughs> I was like, this is for me. Like, And it was like for us. And it's like us being our own little, like, we're like aren't we good photographers? I yeah. think that's what this app is for. And now it's like just shameless plugs all day all night or for regular people quote unquote i remember watching my cousins and i'm like oh am i supposed to be hot on this like (laughs) i got into comedy so young i was like i've just always been trying to be funny and i was like oh you guys are like getting dates through just your hot instagram pictures yeah that's and i'm the funny girl and i i think i'm doing it right and it's like i am for comedy but i was like oh man like it felt like i need a whole other instagram to like tell men i'm trying to date <laughs> like follow them from that one so they're not like looking at my podcast clips of me like talking about sex and stuff like you know like i was like oh yeah this for everybody else is like a showcase of their life being beautiful and comedy is like oh i'm poking fun at every aspect of my life yeah and like isn't that funny i'm yeah. kind of a loser it's like <laughs> <laughs> it's like oh shit <laughs> and it's like oh yeah no i see why that's not working for me yeah, in all, in other areas. Yeah, I see why no one's sliding in my DMs. Okay. All yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, this is just uh, an advertisement for my brand of man repellent. Okay, mm-hmm. good, <laughs> great. Yeah. Or how fucked up is it that I like have a bunch of tapes? I are great tapes, and I look fat in them because I gained weight during the pandemic mm-hmm. and the angle, and I'm just I got a big old little tummy, right? And I'm like, I I've been like hesitating to cut those and post them because I look fat. And I'm like, yeah, but then the, the algorithm brain goes, well, maybe someone will call you fat in the comments and then another person will argue with them about how you're not fat. And then that'll yeah. up your engagement. And I'm like, this is crazy to be like, I'm now being like actually good that I'm fat in this clip. If people start that commenting, even considering this? arguing about my body. And it's like, how crazy is that? That I'm like, what's it like to be a regular person on Instagram? What, it, what, <laughs> what joy you must experience just posting noodles or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> just not caring to post. Well, and then like also, you know, it is, there is like a little serotonin hit of seeing that you got a like from like somebody you got to have a crush on or oh, whatever. And 100%. it's like, Ooh, you noticed my thing. That's or, fun. Yeah. Or the comedy serotonin is getting your thing shared by someone you really, really respect. Yeah. Like people that were sharing yeah. my Gordon set that I was like, Oh, I know you. And I know we're like friends on a level, but it's like, Oh, I, I never thought you were someone like at a table. I'm not there going, Oh, Erica Spira is funny. So it's yeah. like validating in that sense. And then also, you notice who doesn't like the post. That's the fuck that that's the real brain fuck. Cause yeah. it's like, they may not have seen it or they may have been scrolling through and they're like, mm, mm, mm. Mm-hmm. I'm no. like mm. and it's there's, there's, it's fucked up also how like comics we're never, our first thought is never like, Oh, they probably didn't see it. The yeah. first thought is like, 
they not only saw it and didn't like it, they're disgusted by it and are going to tell everyone uh, that they fucking hate you and that you're a hack. Mm. And they they might even rent a billboard to say as much. It's like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and it's I like know. in reality, we're all so so far up our own asses. That's not going to happen. Truly, though. And it's like because I've done this, I've hate viewed people's stuff. And it's like, oh, yeah, hate views are views, baby. So you want to love That's, me or hate me? Go for it. I've I've gotten myself caught up in like, I wonder if you're the same where it's like, if I feel like someone has wronged me, then I start hate watching their stuff. Yeah. And I'm like, what a waste of time this is. Oh, what am I doing? 100%. Like people I came up with that were like rude to me in the, in the open mic level or yeah. like just looked over me for the more famous person in the room. I'm like, I'm never going to forget being in a green room and being fucking ignored. And oh yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like that there's people like that. It's like, yeah, you know what, Erica, this is all you got to know. You're just never going to help that person. You're never going to help yeah. that person, whether it's sharing a simple like set of theirs or a clip of theirs, whether you find it funny or not, or like you finally are at a big table and people are like, you're, they're like, Oh, who do you suggest for this thing? It's like, I don't care if you're funny. You weren't good to me. Like I'm not going to be saying your name in that room. And that's, that's like all yeah. you have. That's really all you have or all you can do. Yeah. That's healthy. It's just like, all right. I'm Which not is effective. Yeah. It's something. It's right. something. <laughs> I'm not at that God. point yet, but it's like, that's all that you can do is just, okay. Like when it's finally like my turn to help someone else out, they're just not going to be someone you help Erica. And that's it. That's all yeah. you could tell yourself is like, just stay with the people that are good to you. have always been there for you and are funny and you're good friends. Like that's, yeah all you can which do. speaking of also it's that brings me to the next thing of uh, when i first started i had this misconception that like people i really thought that people take other people on the road because they're like material is similar and they're like <laughs> oh this complements mine um which i mean like when i was like two years in i emailed kathleen madigan through her website asking if i can open for her and i'm like we're both from the midwest Damn. we both have stuff about our families whatever and her who her whomever wrote me back just so polite and they're like oh kathy has openers you know but thank you for reaching out like all the best wow. and now i'm like what a fucking psycho i was but it's like but people take you on the road yeah yeah you have no idea um and people take you on the road because they like hanging out with you because it's fun because you're on the road for a long time like you're you've opened for a handful who just for the audience sake who all have you uh, gone uh, on the road with I or mean, like the, yeah the biggest name people would know probably is taylor tomlinson mm -hmm. and that was someone i met doing my my club like clubs in syracuse new york i remember i did the funny bone twice with her i was hosting and i just got paired with her and we got to like hang out a bit get to know each other and she, cause mm -hmm. she's constantly been headlining the road even before she was like drawing and also it's just yeah, when the she was like 16 or whatever yeah, yeah like the, <laughs> yeah. right literally like, so it was like the second time we worked together for her it was this like oh nice i know this person i don't have to meet a new person this weekend and so then from there on out like anytime she'd work a club if i you know could drive there sometimes she'd hit me up being like hey can you open at this club like yeah uh but for a long time like she didn't even have the power to do that so she was very like I don't have the power. I wish I did situation. So anywhere I could drive to, or I had a hookup through the club myself, I would try to get paired with her also for my own sake of like, man, how nice is yeah. it to have a green room? Like there's someone I like talking to and being around. And, you know, I've been, I've been fortunate enough now as sometimes I've opened for her. Um, and now that she's doing theaters 
And it is one of those like being on the whole travel day, driving from one theater to the next, the next day, like we got a two hour car ride. It's like, oh yeah, this is like, are you funny? Are you going to do a good job warming up the crowd? And the next part though is, are you good company? And I know what it's like to be working the road as a feature, having a different headliner all the time. And sometimes they'd talk to me and sometimes I wouldn't. And I was like, yeah, Mm -hmm. this can be a very lonely life. So once you finally have the power to be with someone, it's like so valuable. Um, well, it's like you got to be fun and easy to hang with and also trustworthy. Like yeah. they can't. Yeah, that was the best you know, comment I ever got from Taylor. She's like, I give you the date and I give you like basically she didn't even give me the airport. She's like, this is the location. I look I just go to her website myself. I'm a fucking adult. What's yeah. the details? Blah, blah. I just ask her when I'm booking my flight if she booked hers yet. Try to get in about the same time. But she's like, I like that. I don't have to worry about you. <laughs> like i'm not worried like is erica gonna make her flight it's like she'll be there yeah she'll show up like <laughs> yeah you know kind of thing um yeah so her i've opened for judah friedlander a couple times Patton oswalt a couple times oh fun or spence from king of queens if people don't know him by name which you should he's amazing um, that's so funny i've never I've, I've never watched king of queens i didn't know he was on, there's so many comics that i'm like no shit they have that credit okay right. exactly and huh. um no and, idea <laughs> And uh, Jared Freed is another one that was uh, really awesome and fun. That's a fun group. It is. It's a nice variety, but it's uh, it, but that's the thing of like, I don't have that. Uh, we've talked about this. I don't have that. Like mm-hmm. there is this huge comic that takes me with them always. I'm the number mm-hmm. one choice opener. Uh, I'm very fortunate when people ask me to come open for them. Love it. Yeah. But it's like kind of a good thing in a way that I still sit there and go, okay, but, but what can I do? And I got to hustle yeah. for myself and get my own opportunity. I do think, yeah, I think that works out in your favor because it just makes you, you know, I think we probably, any comic knows somebody that like opens for one person for so long and they have such a good deal that they don't, they just stop pursuing their own things. And it's like, there's, you kind of hit a ceiling there. And then also your entire career is dependent on theirs. Like I cannot fucking imagine whoever was opening for Louie before everything was exposed uh no pun intended <laughs> i know someone <laughs> but who it's was like, but they were fortunately also headlining yeah yeah and that's like if you're if they weren't or it's like how do you carry on beyond that because he has openers now for his shit yep. little tours and <laughs> uh not to shit on his openers uh yeah but it's like that's weird if all of a sudden somebody that I opened for was exposed as like a big sex offender, which they're definitely not. So they wouldn't be, but I'd be like, do I still go on the road with them? Of course. Um, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't have anyone that's opening for them because it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, I just lost my job. And if Louie asked me to open for him tomorrow, I probably fucking would. I'm not going to lie. Cause it's like, yeah, it is an opportunity. It's, like, it's a check. What's the pay. And here's the, here's the bright side of opening for somebody huge. Right. I don't have to sell fucking tickets. So I don't have to post shit that that's what I'm doing. And yeah. people that are opening for Louie, I know some of them who are, they haven't shared one thing. You would have no idea that they are Yeah, because they're it, like, mm-hmm. I don't want any backlash. And yeah, I it's get like it. You don't need to fucking collect that negative, whatever. It's funny. Cause I'm like, so I started with bringer shows out here at the store. So I'm still so used to hustling with, I post all of my gym dates and I'm like, here's tickets. Here's where you get tickets to Jim's shows. And like, I've sold some tickets to his shows, but then I'm like, okay, now that you've paid $170 to see him next time I come through Grand Rapids, I expect you to pay $30 to see me. Yeah, (laughs) please. No, I mean, 
pr- I mean, I absolutely promote it. I promote when I'm with like Taylor or anybody else, you know, but I'm just like, yeah, but you well, don't like, have I, to, I don't at all shit on someone who, who is opening for a Louis CK regardless yeah, of what happened. Cause I'm just like, it's fucking hard to make it in this business. It's especially hard to make money that I'm like, I fucking yeah. get it. Like as yeah, long as you're being your treated paycheck. well, you know, yeah. do what you got to do. I'm no judgment, no judgment over yeah. here. <laughs> So now that you're where you're at in comedy, is your family pretty supportive or like, have they been supportive all along? They have been supportive the whole time, um, which I was very lucky for of like, yeah, even like, God, they would like send people to my shows. And then funny when I stopped (laughs) stopped being super clean, I was like, they'd be like, oh, so-and-so is in that town. And I'd be like, it's okay. Like, because there was a little tension of like, I did a show in my hometown and I did a joke that referenced a blowjob. Hilarious that the joke was about me not being good at sex. And my parents were furious. They were really, really, like, really did like, you get pure, a like little furious. talking to after. Yeah. Like furious, like upset. Like, like my mom was like almost in tears. What? Wait, did they call you and, or so how did they address this? So like after the show, obviously it was like, so it's my hometown. It's everyone we know. They kind of were a little like, just like, you know, we don't, were they, like, they were there in the audience. Joke? Yeah. They were in the audience. Mm-hmm. And funny of, I did not mean to do this joke, but I started the joke. And it's like, I'm running the whole fucking show. I'm hosting the show. I start the joke and I just was like, oh. And I actually made it cleaner than it usually is. I like pivoted. Yeah. And I, so I was kind of proud. Like, all right, that wasn't that bad. Um, and I was, you know, 28. Yeah, I was 28. Maybe I was Yeah, you're like, I'm for sure sucking dicks. Like, I'm Please. obviously I've had sex at this point. You know I have. But it's like, I don't have a boyfriend at the time. So it's like, and I haven't had an official boyfriend my whole 20s. So it's like, okay, well, obviously this is like about casual sex. They know that the crowd doesn't who cares um but essentially like that night it was kind of this weird thing and i remember driving back to new york with the comics and they were like what were they upset about they're like what like that you know and then like a month later they like called me together being like hey do you have a minute and like my mom was my god erica that is i'm gonna crawl out of my skin they (laughs) called you together and like you know they just and i remember my dad being like you know erica when you started comedy you wanted to be brian regan and right now you're being like a nikki glazer Amy Schumer, like, and you're like really what you extremely want? successful. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's funny that I was like, I don't think you've watched a lot of their comedy. What I said is nowhere close to that level. Yeah, you're like, so wait, you're saying I'm hot too? Yeah, like, right. thank you, Dad. <laughs> but I just like, you know, it's from your parents' eyes, and also this was at the time my my podcast came out. I came out about having herpes. My parents didn't know. I sent them an email letting them know. Oh my god, and they so, listened to it. Well, I was kind of like, it's I'm not gonna die. <laughs> I have to my leave. My mom loved listening to it. My dad listened <laughs> and then turned it off of just, he was like, it's not for me. Like they were very also loving and supportive of, they were like, Hey, we understand, like do what you have to do. But then during the conversation of me being dirty on stage, my mom was like, you know, like also the herpes thing, like you didn't ask us, you just kind of told us. And I was like, well, that is my decision to do. When they were <laughs> Wait, mad, they didn't, you didn't ask them if you could get herpes. If I could like <laughs> tell people about it publicly. I'm like, yeah. And, and cause I sent them an email being like, the old, the main reason I haven't told people publicly is like I don't want to bring like shame to the family. Like I know you're in a small Is this town. like a family wide shame? Well, it's just like I have the same <laughs> last true. name as them, like my little hometown. Yeah, yeah. Obviously like is on my email list that I promote this podcast. So it's like you know, I felt it was going to be I was kind of like yeah, I would hate that you're in the grocery store mom and you feel like people are whispering. Because it's like, it's about me. It's not about you, but it's indirectly a reflection of you because I'm your kid and I get it, right? And it's like, now they're very cool about it. And it's funny of me doing late night jokes on TV of having herpes. 
like kind of has finally smoothed all of it over of like all the weird tension <laughs> and stuff yeah. and it's hilarious of my dad shares my set and you know he calls me and he left me this voicemail being like i'm so proud of you and like what you did took balls like it takes balls to do what you do and like talk about that publicly and it's so funny to watch like all these you know almost 60 year olds mm-hmm. commenting on the facebook being like god i love that herpes joke that's so funny like ah, da, da. yeah because like, they all have herpes I mean, most people have it and don't know. Yeah, cold sores are herpes, everybody, if you're listening. Uh, So, but it's so funny that, like, now it's very, like, yeah, like, everybody's fine with it. Like, and they're very accepting of it. But it's, um, it's, like, still, like, yeah, they still get maybe a little awkward if someone directly is, like, man, I saw Erica's herpes joke. You know, they're still just kind of like, oh, yeah, you know, da, da, da. But it's funny that, like, yeah, maybe Schumer's parents were uncomfortable with her and Nikki. But it's, like, well, once they were super successful, no one gave a shit. So I feel like Nikki seems like close with her parents on a level that I is unimaginable to me. I'm like, I can't, I can't, could, could never. I did one set in front of my parents one time when I opened for gym, I was super clean. Neither of them said a word to me afterwards. Really? Not a, not a word. I went up to my, they were sitting in the audience because they were like waiting for the meet and greet and everything. And I went out to get them and my dad goes, where can I smoke? And that's all. And then they like awkwardly sat in my green room in silence wow. for like an hour. Okay, that's more brutal. I mean, I come from that yeah. Italian family. So I mean, like... I'd rather them not call me because yeah. th- that's a thing. Like, I think they had this delusion when I was starting that they were going to tell me what to do. And I was like, oh, no, absolutely <laughs> yeah. not. Under no circumstances. It's funny that... You are feral. <laughs> it's so funny. My parents like miss the days of me just talking about them on stage. Cause it was like this clean family stuff yeah. um, a little bit, but it's like, yeah, I'm very much at the point. I'm just like, it's not for you. And I would rather they just like not be there, but I get it. Of yeah. Like with my cord and taping, my mom really wanted to come out to LA and be there. And I just was like, no, I was like, you, you make me nervous. You stress me out. Like, cause she's nervous. I'm like, you're more nervous mm-hmm. than me about this. I can't have you in the room. Like, I had two good friends that were like just getting drunk, having a party in there. And that's like what I needed. I just needed like a fun, yeah. we're having a fun time. This is an exciting thing. Um, but I did partly feel bad. It's like, she just wanted to share like the celebration of it with me, but yeah. it's like, yeah, if this really goes how I hope it goes in my trajectory of career, it's like, I'm going to be doing so much. Like you, you won't be able to be there all the time, which is fine. Yeah, absolutely. But our, You're like, there'll be something else. Don't worry about yeah. it. But our tight knit Italian families are like, we fucking know everything and talk about everything. And it's like, granted, not like with your dad mm-hmm. about sex necessarily, <laughs> but like, you know, my Christ, mom no. was very close to her mom and she wants me to like have that close relationship with her. And I would say we're close, but it's like, I don't tell her everything, everything, but she's heard more than I would ever tell her by just like listening to my podcast. And even that, I was like, yeah. you want to listen? Cool. But I do not want to hear anything from you, even though I'm really not dirty on there. And a couple of yeah. times she has said stuff and I've just been uh-huh. like, stop listening. Like either listen or don't like. Yeah. My mom commented a couple of times on things and I was like, hey, heads up. I never want to hear your opinion on anything. Yeah. Like not not like not. And one time after that, she was like, I like that one joke, you know, about that because it kind of references her. Um and I was like, okay, that's fine. Right. That's all you get. That's allowed. That's it. That's the end of the feedback. Until you start doing stand-up and you are doing theaters, uh, I don't want to hear your opinion. Thank you. Dude, Thanks so much. The you advice know? is what's crazy. <laughs> My mom's like tried to give me advice with the show. Uh-huh. And she wanted me to pivot it. And hilarious of like, this is like a couple months before I do court. Mm-hmm. And she wants me to pivot it. She's like, you know, 
basically like a cousin of ours said something to her of like, oh, well, you know, if I was like going to go out with this girl and then I found out like I might be talked about on a podcast, like I probably wouldn't want to date her. And so Mm -hmm. I was like seeing someone, it didn't work out. And I would really only talk about that stuff on my Patreon privately. And my mom was Mm -hmm. on my Patreon listening. And then she like, next time she saw me, has this talk with me. And I'm like already in a vulnerable state. Like I just had a breakup and she tells me this story. And then it's like, you know, maybe you could like pivot the show, like, you know? And so she indirectly is being like, I think your podcast is the reason you don't have a boyfriend. And I was like, (laughs) are you fucking serious? I was like, I do Mm -hmm. comedy. It's the same thing. I go, they go hand in hand. I was like, if Mm -hmm. I quit my podcast, guess what? I'm still a comedian. And still guys go, Oh, are you going to have a joke about me? And I'm like, Oh, are you going to be an asshole? Like, maybe yeah are you gonna do something wild yeah because that's how it's like you're not that special yet relax right and everything is in a sense that i'm like only they know i'm talking about them i don't i'm not naming names on my podcast like every Mm -hmm. guy has a nickname like it's all the time this fun thing and i'm like yeah i'm talking about dating and also i was like especially when i like someone i'm dating them i'm like i'm not airing all our shit out like yeah i don't have to explain to you that you're like like, because that also reflects on me yeah Yeah. exactly because i was like i like this guy i don't want you to hate him and all the fans to hate him i like him why yeah. would i want people to hate him um it's also like the real reason it's harder to date as a female comedian is because men cannot stand women being funnier than them they, they can't they can't handle it it's probably that and also it's like yeah some people have a fear of getting made fun of if you'll talk to them talk about them on stage but it's like yeah the guys who have dated me thought what i did was cool and they yeah. were into it and they were like thought it was funny if i had a joke that like referenced something they did or was the inspiration for it which is really what it more morphs into. It's like, yeah, that happened in our relationship. It's probably something that happens in other relationships. So now it's relatable. Now it's funny. But like, I really don't tell any specifics. It's like, only you would know. Only you in the crowd would be like, oh, she thought of this joke because of that thing I said. (laughs) Unless you like stand up in the middle of the set and you're like, that's about me. Yeah, (laughs) it's true. (laughs) I know. So it's like- You bring them on stage like a magician with an assistant. (laughs) Right, exactly. So it's- it's one of those things I'm just like, I, I have to live my life how I like my life. And I've been single more than I've ever been in a relationship or even dating Same, somebody. Yeah. So I was like, even with telling herpes jokes, I was like, listen, I did comedy for years. Never once got a date from it. So what's the difference if I'm telling the audience I have herpes or not? No one was trying to fuck me before that. So yeah, yeah. I'm like, what difference does it make? And it actually gives something that like people DM me about and like relate to me on. Yeah. So it's like, like, oh yeah, got it. It's actually making me like kind of more approachable in a way because it's giving people a hard thing they relate to. So I'm like, I'll keep doing yeah. it all I fucking want, you know? Absolutely. Which you should tell that to your mom about her friends. Like, hey, if they're bringing it up, it's because they have herpes. So yeah. <laughs> you you know who in your life has herpes. I know. Like some people have revealed it to my mom kind of being like, you know, my mom's like a saint. So they're like Saint Angela. And some, some people have they been say like- that? literally like she's like she's only like been with my dad like heavy like catholic school bring up and she's a sweetheart she's a true sweetheart people like that do not exist anymore they they really don't your parents should put in be put in the smithsonian truly like my mom can't even like bust balls like she won't even like make a joke about someone making fun of them a little bit so ever since i was young my mom was always like i see how you can do this thing i could never do this thing and she's like terrified to speak in public so I'm just, we're just very different people. Oh, what a little sweetheart. And she's the epitome of why I don't believe in fucking astrology. Cause we're both Tauruses. We're born two days apart. Like, whoa, like, I couldn't have, I couldn't have more two different people is me and my mother. Then I'm like, 
astrology really i'm like suck my dick that my mom and i are yeah, Taurus, yeah. and you would never fucking know like <laughs> yeah you're like not the same <laughs> this is you know what you can't say that on here because you're gonna get uh messages of like yeah but are you a phoenix rising or whatever oh, phoenix whatever. isn't one of them <laughs> oh me i don't yeah well care. your mom was built born in a water year so <laughs> i know i'm like whatever i've even i've even done the chart the co-star app of the chart with my time someone made me do it once uh-huh. and i've read the thing and i've been like none of this is super revealing or accurate to me yeah none of it has lined up it's like oh i'm yeah. four different signs in one. Oh, how convenient that now everything relates to me i'm like astrology can suck my dick i like yeah. <laughs> i like scientific tests i've taken every scientific i know my myers-briggs i know my enneagram i know my fucking uh what's the helen fisher one it's like director um love it's oh, love no, something I... not love language oh it's your like love language oh fuck it's love compatibility something it's a but it's a scientific there's been a study yada yada like it's legit those i've all taken and those i like agree with and read them and they freak me out when i'm like this shit's accurate astrology yeah because it's my like dick. oh no yeah <laughs> <laughs> um all right i have one last question for you uh and then i'll i'll release you um if your childhood self like eight-year-old erica could meet you as an adult what do you think she would think of you oh that's a great question I think she would be not really surprised of she'd be like, yep, you're doing exactly what you want to be doing. And <laughs> just good like for you. low level pleased. Yeah. So she, <laughs> not even would, excited. They, just like, uh-huh. They'd be like, good. <laughs> Glad we stayed ballsy. Cause I've just always yeah. been a ballsy fucking kid. Uh, and part of them would be a little like, okay, I thought we would have certain things by now. Like probably like marriage. I remember being young thinking like, oh, yeah, when I'm 26 having babies, and I'm like, oh, oh Lord Christ, a what a nightmare! No, um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it would be, I think they'd probably be like not surprised, and at the same time, I do think they would be proud. They'd be like, wow, you're really doing this comedy thing essentially, because it was always a dream. So it would be this like, oh wow, we did end up figuring it out and like making it happen. So yeah, I think they'd be proud. I love that. <laughs> that's great i love it i Thank think you. she'd be i i mean i kind of i want to meet her she sounds cool <laughs> <laughs> a little kid that's into comedy yeah. fucking awesome then i'd be like do Brad. what you want babe just keep doing what yeah. you want dump that high school <laughs> well, boyfriend so, but, yeah, yeah right now i don't know why you have a high school boyfriend when you're eight but you know dump him <laughs> first first firstly because he's a kind of a child molester yeah uh, <laughs> um, well thanks so much for being on it was great talking to you oh yeah thank you so much for having me it's been fun Thanks so much for listening. Once again, that was Erica Spera. You can find her on Twitter and Instagram at Sperica, S-P-E-R-I-C-A-A. That's two A's at the end. Uh, definitely listen to her podcast, Shooters Gotta Shoot. It's very funny. She's fantastic. You already know this. You just listened to the podcast. Um, and of course, I am Lisa Curry. You can find me most places, including Instagram, at Olympian Lisa Curry. And please do. Other than that, we will see you right back here next week. Bye-bye.